Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Michelle Cork. Michelle and I had a great conversation talking about why listening to your body is so important as a runner when it comes to how we're training and how we're eating. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Michelle, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am great. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, we talked a little bit about what you do off or before we hit record, and I'm super excited to really dive into that conversation. But before we do that, who are you? Um, I am a pediatrician and a run coach. <laughs> um, I am the founder of Mindful Marathon, where I help make running easy and fun for busy professionals like ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I love that combination because it's normally not one we hear all the time. So it's awesome. <laughs> and I coach adults. I mean, I know I'm a pediatrician, but I primarily coach adults in the, in the running world. <laughs> and I live in Philadelphia. <laughs> because it's not a normal combination that we see, how did you get like become a coach? Like, what was that decision like or process like? Um, well, I think the, the first part of the story is that I was not always a runner. So a lot of people hear that I'm a running coach and think that I've been a runner all my life. And the truth is that I got into running in my probably late twenties, early thirties. Um, I was really not an athlete at all growing up. And, um, you know, I was the kid who struggled to run the mile with those physical fitness tests they made us do and huffing and puffing my way around and finishing last. And, you know, looking at the track and cross country team thinking like, I do not know what they are made of, but I am not one of those people. <laughs> um, and I never thought that I would be. And so um, I came to running uh, after my uh, residency, I started a new job, um, moved to a new place, I was newly married, like all of these stressors all at once. Um, and I found myself in this place, like one night I was um, at my job, I was working the night shift, and I was counseling a family, a patient and a family about like healthy eating and getting good exercise and all of these things for healthy living. And I just had this moment, like, you know, I'm, I'm talking the talk, but I'm not walking the walk and I'm not doing any of these things that I am sharing with this family. And so I feel like at that point, um, I kind of tapped back into my why. And I thought, you know what, I am going to try running again. Like I had tried a lot of times and quit a lot of times. And um, I decided I was going to lace on my sneakers and give it a go. And that is what stuck like from then on um, at that period in my life, like I started five, 10 minutes jogging around my block and I loved how everything kind of cleared my mind cleared um, all of the stresses that were going on kind of melted away. And I think that's what kept me going back for more. So that was, that was, uh, you know, almost 10 years ago. And then, um, I became a coach. Uh, let's see, that was, hmm, I think, I think the marathon did it. I think running my first marathon, <laughs> um, I started working with a running coach about maybe six years ago. And, um, at that point, like I had been a regular runner and I had done a couple of half marathons. Um, I was very consistent with it, but I, I found I wasn't really getting better. Um, and so I reached out to a coach and I had all of these hangups about that, like, oh, I'm a really slow runner. What, a, what is a coach going to do for me? 
um, I'm not an elite athlete. Like I, I thought only elite athletes needed a coach. Um, but after I started working with him, I made so much progress in such a short time. And I, it, running became easier. I got faster. Um, I ran this marathon. And then after that, I feel like I was like a running evangelist. Like we all must go and run a marathon. <laughs> it will change your life. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I became a coach. So I was very inspired by my own coach and, and just the sport itself. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love, I love hearing your story on that. Cause I think a lot of people can relate to that because so many runners who, you know, want to do a marathon, half marathon, just kind of on their own or, you know, whatever, just, just to do it. Not, not for a time or anything, just do find those online training plans and just follow that. And, and I think there's a lot of benefit for everyone, regardless if you're a slow runner, fast runner, have time goals, have a goal just to finish. I think there's a, there's so much value to having a coach to help you through that process. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I used a lot of stock, you know, training plans when I started out. And the thing for me that was always tough, I was doing shift work um, and I didn't have a set schedule. So my schedule was different every week. And so to have a plan that was like, you must run this amount of time on Monday and this amount on Saturday and the long run always has to be on the weekend. And I just didn't know enough about it at the time to be able to switch that around on my own and figure out how to do that. And so when I started working with my coach and he was like, well, I can, you know, write you a plan that kind of fits with your life here, you know, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be a certain way. And, um, you know, we can do different things and some speed work and all these things, but, um, yeah, we kind of work with our level of fitness, whatever that is. So a lot of people, when they train for a marathon, they have it in their head that they must do a 20 mile long run. And that's just, that's not the case, but I didn't know that when I started out. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so hard too. Cause you know, I, the first marathon I did, I trained for it when I was in college. And so other than going to classes and working a few days a week, it's like, I kind of had a fair amount of time on my schedule so I could follow the training plan, like to a T. And then when I ran one later on, once I was working, it's like, Oh, I can't follow this to a T we need to tweak this a little bit and change things. And then and I think it's something a lot of people don't fully recognize when they're trying to do it on their own is that like, yes, this is a training plan, but it also has to work with what works with you in your life too. Yeah. Yeah. You almost, you don't want to be like a slave to the training plan in a way. And a lot of people will feel like they'll see the plan um, online and they'll just say, well, there's no way I could, I could do this. Like the, the volume is too much. The time is too much. And so they just give up before they even get started. And that, that always makes me a little bit sad too, because we can write something that fits with your life. I mean, you know, if you want to run a marathon and only run one day a week, like we have to talk, but, <laughs> but within, within reason, you know, there, there's ways to, to structure it so that it can fit. Even if you're very, very busy, you don't have a lot of time. If you're a slower runner, all those things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. The one day a week training plan is not ideal, but you know, right. the four day a week training plan can work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. Um, I want to dive in because a big part of what you do is teaching people to listen to their body train based on how they're feeling. Going back to you and when you were training or doing shift work, you were probably tired at times. 
what sort of things were you having to do to modify your schedule, train, change your training based on what you were feeling? Um, I think uh, one of one of the big things was recognizing fatigue, um, and not just not just fatigue like oh I need to sleep more or maybe I shouldn't go for a run after a night shift, but also muscle fatigue and um, uh, soreness here and there. So. Um, with this, the, the first marathon, I feel like I, um, this probably won't surprise anyone. Like I I'm a bit of a perfectionist, very type a, like that mo- most physicians probably are. <laughs> and so I have this training plan, you know, in a spreadsheet and I feel like I must follow it to the T or I will not be able to run this marathon. And so I would really beat myself up if I couldn't, like if I was feeling tired and I had to cut a long run short, or if I had to skip a run, um, or rearrange things, like I was really having trouble with that. Um, and kind of had to talk through that with my coach and kind of, it, that was a learning process in and of itself. But I think during that training cycle, I really learned about listening to my body because of the training volume. Like before that, um, you can kind of skirt by a little bit, but a marathon brings out a lot of weaknesses and (laughs) it will, you know, it, it kind of encroaches on, uh, on a lot of things in your life. So, um, yeah, it, I just became a lot more mindful, um, as I was out there for longer and longer runs. Um, and I, I started keeping, um, a bit more of a a detailed training journal. Like before that, I would just make a couple of comments here and there, but I really started to comment on each run and especially the long runs, how I'm feeling, what is sore so that I could follow it um, later on if if it didn't go away or things got worse. Um, But yeah, I really, that that marathon training really helped me um, tremendously with learning to run easy and (laughs) listening to the body because, the, the marathon is just, it's a long way to go. Um, and I wasn't going to get there by pushing harder and faster <laughs> on each workout. The, the kinder, gentler approach um, is what got me to the start line and the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> the key, the, yeah. the ultimate goal, the finish line, not just the, the finish line. Exactly. <laughs> Talk into the not running hard all the time, taking advantage of those easy days. Uh, just because I, I, I talk to so many people or I see comments on Facebook, on forums, all sorts of things about like running hard all the time or, you know, always working to run a little bit faster, not liking if they're running a little bit slower compared to what, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, five months ago, whatever it is. And there's just, there's such a benefit. Yes, we do want to have some faster days, but there's such a benefit to those easy days as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, I could talk about this for a long time. Let me summarize some key points, I think. So number one, <laughs> for, for the beginners out there, um, I think that many people don't want to try running because they think that it has to be hard and it has to hurt all the time. And certainly that's what I remember from running when I was a kid. And from <laughs> all of those times that I tried to get out the door and say, you know what, I'm going to just run three miles today. Uh, when I haven't done it in a year um, and think that that would feel good to try to go out as hard and as fast as I could and then come back feeling like everything is hurting and that I don't have any kind of cardiovascular fitness at all. And so I think for the beginners out there, just learning to run easy at the beginning. And by easy, I mean, 
um, you know, that might mean run walk intervals where you jog for a short period of time and then you walk for a short period of time and catch your breath. Um, I talk a lot about conversation pace. So if you and I were running together, or you were running with a friend, you could carry on a conversation. So that's hard because people run their easy pace is different. But if you can carry on a conversation, then you're probably doing a good job in terms of keeping things on the easier side of the scale. Um, so I think learning to learning that conversation pace and learning to slow down is really a gateway for beginners to get out there and enjoy it. Because once once you enjoy it, then you want to keep going. And then then people say, well, I would like to get faster. Um, or I want to run, you know, longer. And so um, what we do there, it's called polarizing the training. So in other words, if you go out and you run the same pace on all of your workouts, then when you run the race, you're probably going to just run that same pace. Mm -hmm. um, you're training your body just to, to learn that one pace and training at the same hard pace really increases our risk of injury. So what we do is look at the week and we have the majority of the week will be easy and conversation paced. And then we put um, some, we'll call it a stimulus, right? A speed workout or a long run, something to, to switch it up and to train your body, um, your muscles and your heart um, to be able to run a little bit faster. And then those easy runs give us time to recover. So after a hard workout, we give our body a couple of days to recover by running easy so that when we do the next speed workout or the next long run, we were able to actually complete the workout um, and not put ourselves at risk of injury. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think the risk of injury thing is huge that I think a lot of people don't realize and, and that's when you do run those same paces, even if it's a slow pace, you run that same pace day after day, you aren't giving your body or your muscles any different way of working. And that by speeding it up some days, slowing it down some days, you change, yes, you're doing the same motion, but you're changing how those muscles are firing. Yeah. Yeah. And even within an easy run, you know, sometimes we'll put in, they're called strides or um, you know, you, you can run easy and then maybe for the last mile or so you put in these, um, quicker pickups, which is kind of fun. So it breaks up the easy run, but it also just reminds your, your leg muscles and it's different muscles, um, firing to be able to speed up and increase your, your footfalls on the pavement, which is helpful. So, um, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to run easy all the time. That just sounds boring, but there's ways to, <laughs> there's ways to make it not boring, um, and kind of spice things up, but, um, once people start running um, a little bit easier, I find most people um, just enjoy it more and want to keep up with the sport more. And it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's a really nice thing. I, I feel uh, very, I feel bad when people say like, well, I just, you know, it's too hard. I just see people and they look like they're dying out there. I don't want to feel like that. And I say, it doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> you know, like you're in control of the level of effort. And so just kind of teaching people to um, listen to their body and kind of really tap into what's going on and how they feel. Um, and even writing it down, like I keep a little training journal and I have my athletes do that, but that can be really helpful to do just for a week or two to get a sense of like how it feels to you. Most people don't think about that. They, they go out there and they want to kind of tune everything out, um, maybe listen to music and forget what they're doing, but I am arguing that it's, it's better to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yes. It's really funny because you, as you said, as far as like people see people or runners out there, like looking like they're dying. I have, no matter how hard I'm running, I can be doing the easiest run. And I've seen pictures before. I'm like, I have death face on me. Like no matter how hard I'm training. So some people are just like that. Just FYI. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. I've seen some, when I always get the race photos back, like sometimes I can tell I'm really like in the zone and other times they're like, Oh, that is not a very flattering photo, but I was having a good time. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I just may not look like it, but I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Let's take a quick break to talk about true nutrition. True nutrition is a supplement company and yes, they do have the prepackaged bulk type performance supplements that a lot of companies have. But what I absolutely love about them are their customized options. You can get protein powder with a wide variety of types of protein in it and choose what flavoring you want on it. And along with that, throw in some different boosts to maybe help decrease your inflammation or improve your endurance, improve your recovery, really make it for what you and your body needs. And not only performance, they also have healthy food options as well. You can customize smoothies and oatmeal to really be what you want. So it's a very quick and easy breakfast option or even on the go option. So check out everything that they have at truenutrition.com. And if you use code GYF, you can save 5% on your order. And you can also check out all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now back to our conversation. Some other thing is good to, good to talk about, and it came to mind as you were talking about the run walk is, you know, we, we're all going to have those days, whether it's because we had a hard day the day before, or maybe we had a race recently, or just stress at work. We're all going to have those days that we plan to do a certain distance or a certain pace and you just don't have it. I mean, I know me personally, I've had those runs where it's like, I'm two miles in is like, and we're walking now just because my legs don't want to do anything else right now. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think like you're, and like you kind of started prefacing just a little bit ago, as far as tuning into your body, I, you know, we are all going to have those days that you think it's going to be an awesome run and something happens. It's just not. And we just really need to tune into that and be okay with Maybe it's a run walk day rather than just an easy run. Yeah. Yeah. Some days. Um, yeah. Even you, you, sometimes, you know, before you get out there, but sometimes you don't. Um, and especially every summer I'm humbled by the heat and I think <laughs> this is going to be fine. And then, you know, it's just so hot, um, and feels like a slog, um, sometimes. So I think, um, important things are number one, just every run, it will not be, you know, sunshine and roses. Most of them may be, but, but not all of them. And everybody also has an off day. And so many things go into this. Um, like you were saying, you know, stress, nutrition, how much sleep you got, if you're recovering from an injury, like so many things um, go into how you feel before you get outside on the trail. So um, I think it's important to just take note of that. Again, if you keep a little journal and just say, you know, today was supposed to be whatever it is, you know, three miles um, easy, but it felt hard. I had to run walk the last mile uh, because of the heat. 
I didn't, I forgot my water. <laughs> you know, I'm guilty of that where I thought, oh no, you know, now I'm two miles from home and I have no water. So we do, we do things, um, but we write them down so that we try not to repeat those things. Um, and then also take note, you know, celebrate the good runs. That's another little piece of advice. So we're always writing down about the ones that didn't go as planned, but celebrate the wins. And when you have a maybe a speed work day that goes really well um, and you hit all those intervals, like celebrate that. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I try to look at the wins and take those with me. And um, with the hard runs, the good news is that, you know, you might have that on race day. So it's good to have that experience beforehand. So you can kind of work on your mental game going into the race. When things get hard in the race, you can look back at your training and think of some of those hard days um, or days when you didn't really feel like you, you had it, but um, perfectly okay to cut a run short, to do some walking, to do some run walking, depending on how you feel. Um, it's always better I err on the side of um, rest and recovery if something is hurting. Um, just the worst thing is running on a potential injury and then having to be out longer. Mm -hmm. So taking a couple of days off will really not make or break an entire training cycle, but taking a few months off, well, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. Too. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think it's like, it's a huge thing to point out that, you know, I think most runners don't want to hear that, you know, a runner wants to run. They want to follow the training plan. Totally get it. Um, but there is that secondary part of like, okay, run through it now, but you're going to potentially be off for three months, six months, a year later when this gets mm -hmm. 10 times worse than it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And what we do, I mean, what I do with my one-on-one -on -one clients, you know, someone may have signed up for, let's just say a half marathon, but depending on what happens, you know, I had one lady who had, um, she had to have her appendix out. Like she had, <laughs> she had appendicitis at a later age in life and, you know, these things happen. And so, um, she downgraded the ra the race was, you know, a couple of weeks later, she downgraded to the 10 K and we put a half marathon on the calendar later. So, you know, things come up, um, and you know, another lady, same thing, like she was having trouble with her knee and, you know, got into physical therapy, but we made the decision together, like, Hey, maybe the half marathon isn't a great plan right now. It'll be there. And you can always, you can defer many races. You can downgrade to a different race, but it, sometimes it feels in the moment, like, that, that was the A goal that I was training for. And I just want to get there. And I, I've been there and I totally understand. Um, but on the other hand, those races will be there. Um, and it's better to show up to the start line in as best a shape as you can, rather than show up maybe partially injured, um, and then hurt yourself worse during the race, depending on the, the distance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You brushed on nutrition a little bit, and I think it'd be important to dive into so many runners, well, so many humans in general, but especially runners, athletes don't truly realize how much food we actually need, how many calories we need to really fuel both our day-to-day -day activities and our running. And I think there's a lot of people that are underfueled with their running. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. <laughs> um, I think one thing that tends to scare people, I think, or especially my um, newer runners uh, or people who haven't run in a while. 
as the training load picks up, um, they feel hungry all the time and they get very worried about that. They usually send me a message like I'm eating so much and I still feel hungry. Is this normal? <laughs> um, and the answer is yes. yes. And I mean, I felt with the first marathon, I really, whew, I, I felt hungry so much. And I think at the time I probably was not fueling myself appropriately either, or at least with the right things. Like I was eating a lot of volume, but I think I needed some more protein and some more fat in there <laughs> to keep up with that. But I felt hungry all the time. And so that has been a learning experience as well. But in the same way, I have people listen to their body while they're running. We also need to listen to it when we're in the kitchen. And <laughs> so, um, you know, I, running, we talk about the effort scale um, and, you know, on a level of effort of one to 10, like pain scale, one is your walking pace, two, three, four, even might be your easy conversation pace. 10 is the bear is chasing you and you <laughs> fall over at the end. But the same thing, we can use a hunger scale in the kitchen and kind of think about, you know, fueling ourselves at least at appropriate intervals so that we don't let ourselves get like overly hungry and then potentially like eat too much of the wrong things. Um, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, I'll just, I'll have my meal and then they're still hungry. And so then they reach for things that they want that, you know, maybe are salty. Like uh, that's one big one. <laughs> like we lose a lot of sweat when we run. And so, you know, salt is an, sodium is an important one, but I'm not saying to go and eat a bag of chips you know, so, <laughs> but yes, kind of tuning into how you feel and your hunger cues um, and not being afraid to, to give yourself more volume than you're used to. Like it really, we do, uh, we need it. And um, I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian, but I, I would recommend maybe working with one, especially if you're going to train for, um, for a marathon, like I fueling for the shorter distance races um, is a little bit easier to navigate um, and appetites and things like that. But for, for the marathon, um, fueling is super duper important. And if you don't fuel yourself correctly, again, that can lead to injuries too. And I don't think people recognize that. And that's a huge one right there. What you just said is the injuries or the recovery from injuries. Mm -hmm. um, I was working with still working with her, but, um, have a client who wasn't healing properly. We had talked food in the past, but, um, and then from what she was telling me, you know, I was thinking everything was fine, but then we talked about it further once she still wasn't fully healing. And I found out how little she was actually eating because her running had decreased. So she backed her food down a lot, mm -hmm. which I think is another common problem when we're injured. Um, but yeah, we, we need, that food to repair ourselves when we are injured, but we also need it to repair the body in between each run that we do too. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, many of my runners are, have told me this and people say this all the time. I mean, the big fear is, well, I'm going to gain weight. Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I, I actually had a lady um, reach out to me for coaching because she, she thought she wanted to sign up for a marathon, but her reason was for weight loss. And so we talked through that because I said, well, I certainly can't guarantee weight loss. In fact, we might have weight gain. Um, I know I, I gained weight, you know, during the, the marathon training cycles that I've done. Um, and so, yeah, like running is great exercise, but I um, hesitate to, you know, say that 
yes, you'll lose, you'll lose weight. Uh, we have to be fueling ourselves appropriately too. So there's just healthy ways to go about it. And I would encourage you, yeah, eat the healthy things, right? I'm not saying carte blanche, go out and eat like cheeseburgers and fries every day, but, um, but eating the good foods and fruits and veggies and fueling yourself to your level of hunger um, is really important. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the, the protein and fat side of things, you know, with we hear so much about, we need carbs, we need carbs, we need carbs. And somehow the fats and proteins just get like pushed to the side as if they're non-existent. Yeah. They're still highly important to how the body functions and recovers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, they'll, they'll help keep you full, um, which is also good, but yeah, everybody talks about carbs because those are what you need in the short term, I think. And Mm -hmm. when we think about running and how long we're going to be out there. Um, if you're running for longer than 90 minutes, you should bring a carb source with you. So we have enough carbohydrate in the form of our glycogen in our muscles, but it only lasts, I mean, it's different for everybody, but about 90 minutes. So if you're going to be out there longer, that's why in longer races, you see people taking in, um, these gels, um, Gatorade, uh, all, all different things, but but sources of carbohydrate, which you need in the moment, but in terms of eating between meals, yes, don't forget about the protein and the fat. Um, maybe uh, those can potentially for some runners, those kinds of things upset your stomach while you're running, but yes, but in between for your other meals, you want to make sure you're, you're really, um, you know, maximizing those as well. So you have a (laughs) well-balanced, a well-balanced diet. Um, and yes, carbs are great, but don't forget the fat and the protein. (laughs) always important. Yes. Anything we haven't talked about when it comes to, you know, listening to your body training plans, beginning running, um, that you feel is really important to discuss today. Great question. I think maybe just a word about motivation. A lot of my newer runners and beginners struggle with motivation. And I, want to encourage everybody that I also struggle with that still sometimes. <laughs> so even, you know, experienced athletes um, and people who run all the time, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just really don't feel like getting out of bed and going for a run at 630 in the morning. <laughs> and so um, I just want to kind of normalize that struggle and let you know that it does, it does get better And I think the key is probably consistency, like becoming consistent with whatever sport it is. Um, But especially with running, just getting out of bed and putting my running clothes on, like getting out the door seems to be the the step for me. Like once I can do that, I'm good. And one other tip I, I tell people is, you know, if you're really not feeling it, just give yourself, let's say you're supposed to on your training plan, you're supposed to do 30 minutes of an easy run and you're really not feeling it put on your clothes, put on your sneakers, go out there and say, you know what, I'll, I'll give it 10 minutes or a mile or whatever it is. And then if I'm not feeling, feeling it, I'll, I'll come back. And most people, I would say like 95% of the time you can end up doing whatever that workout is that that's on the plan. So it's just getting out the door some days. That's the hardest part. And I just want to kind of normalize that. I feel that too. (laughs) No, I think it's, it's good that you mentioned that because it is so true. And, you know, regardless of how much you run, how long we've been a runner, you know, we all have those days of 
I don't really feel like going, but I'm going to, and you know, and I've had those days where it's like, I'm just going to go for a run. And if I end up walking, I end up walking. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And when you go with that mindset of just, I'm going to go out for, and just see how it feels like you, you never feel like you failed or had a setback Mm because you literally just went out there to, to go move Mm -hmm. your body. Yeah, exactly. To go, it's a win because you you moved your body today, and um, tomorrow's another day. But most people feel better after they've had some movement, even if it's not what you originally planned for. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Michelle, this has been a great conversation. If someone has more questions for you or wants to follow you, where can they find you? Yeah, um, thanks again for having me. It was great. Um, my website is probably the best place. It's mindful-marathon.com. And um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Probably Instagram is the, the better place. It's at mindful.marathon. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some great information from it. If you are looking for more great information, I encourage you to go check out getyourfixpt.com. There you can gain access to blog posts, other podcast interviews, my online programs, and the Race Prep Masterclass, which is for you if you are a chronically injured runner with foot and ankle issues. Once again, that is all at getyourfixpt.com. And I hope you join us next week for another great episode.